Welcome to The Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome to this episode of The Determined Mom Show. Today we have with us Tara Galliano, and she is a sexual empowerment coach, and she's going to be helping us today to understand how to reclaim your desires and become fully alive in all areas of your life. So welcome, Tara. Thanks so much for having me on your show, Amanda. I appreciate it. Yes, definitely. I'm very excited that you're here and very excited about this topic. We have never had this topic on before, and it's something that we as women definitely need to do. We need to be in touch with ourselves, in touch with our desires and everything in order to be happy and kind of figure out what we want out of life. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure, sure. So I am a sexual empowerment coach. And so I was trained as a clinician. So I'm a licensed professional counselor and a certified sex therapist and ran a private practice in Boulder, Colorado for a couple of decades. And then I wanted to pivot my work and reinvent myself and really begin to work with all women and show up more in my work. So I had many life changes that kind of catapulted me on this different course because as a psychotherapist, at least the way I was trained, psychodynamic psychotherapist, I'm a blank slate. And so whatever projections you have are then sustained on me and we work through those and it's a helpful process, but it's limited in terms of expression of how I can show up. And I want to show up. I want to show up for myself and I want to show up for women. So changing to a sexual empowerment coach really allows me to share more of my story, to really get into the meat of why it is that I do the work that I do, which I think is potent. And I think people want to know that. So that's why I do what I do. And that's how I became a sexual empowerment coach. I love it. And I think every woman that comes on the show has an experience of some sort that affects them personally. And then it just becomes this catalyst for helping other women to understand that same thing. And I love it. And you're the first sexual empowerment coach that I've come across and I'm very excited that you're here. I'm just amazed. I'm like, oh, so many people want to talk about sex, particularly women. I know that women reach out to me and it is the idea of sexy either they're they're not having the sex that they want they want to be in a relationship or they're in a relationship and they're not connecting to their partner sexually that it's kind of been dormant because they are a mom and they're an entrepreneur they're working they're doing so many other things and that sex has kind of been put aside and so i'm surprised because i know women want to talk about this and for me i feel like it's so important to talk about this topic and Sex is kind of the advanced work that I do because I feel like most of the time the women that I meet, and this was certainly true for myself, it's the ability to claim our own desire that we really need to begin. And where does desire live in the body? And how do we express that desire? And then how do we identify and articulate that desire to ourselves and to others? Because when we then are able to fully express it, then we can begin to live it. And it's not always about sexual desire. It's Mm -hmm. about the things that we want to create in this world and live what it is that we were creating. I love it. That's awesome. How do we kind of tap into those desires and maybe even both sexual and just life purpose desires? Yeah. What I work 
or how I work with women is I bring them into themselves. What I find is that oftentimes we're externally referencing and we want to reach out and get it right. And we want to be able to understand what other people need. So this way then we can form or we can show up in the way that they need. And so we're constantly referencing others. And I find that we as women are raised in that way is that we get accolades for the things that we do for others. And we don't see the inherent value of how we are, how we show up, how we are just being is just inherently valuable. And we don't give that to ourselves. We give it to others, but we don't often give that to ourselves. And so just to paint a picture, one of my teachers, Tammy Kent, talks about how she was at a party with nine-year-old kids and the nine-year-old boys were all hanging out and you know cracking jokes and having a good time. And the girls were coming over to the hosts who were know setting up the party and making sure the food and the snacks were out and they wanted to be helpful so just to be super helpful because young girls are indoctrinated into that sense of it's good to be helpful because that's how you get accolades that's how you get value and my mentor Tammy Kent was like she wanted to say to the girls say to the girls just go play just go have fun go be like the boys but it's a different paradigm oftentimes that we live within and so the reference point is within our body. It's that we know and love ourselves just because we are. And so, I mean, I would love at some point during this interview to guide you through the process. And it's a short guided meditation to understand a little bit more about the felt sense of what it is that I'm talking about. That would be amazing. I, I'm right. sure that not only myself, but everyone listening would also find that extremely valuable. And I love that. And what you're saying, I can totally see my girls doing exactly what you're saying. You know, like I can totally see them being like, well, one of them a little bit more than the other because she's more shy and she's more like, okay, well, what can I do? You know, like to not feel awkward or whatever. Boys don't do that. Boys who feel shy or feel awkward or feel socially self-conscious, they don't usually step up and say, how can I help? They kind of just shrink into the background or they connect maybe with the other boys or maybe the one boy that they feel kind of social with. It's a different experience. But yeah. for girls, that's the way their world is kind of shaped. And for me, that overlay was always this politeness of I need to be polite. And so that's why it's so critical for me in my work today is to show up. Because when I'm the mild, meek psychotherapist, it's socially acceptable. And I was sanctioned to do that by my former husband, that that was good. And when I told people that I was a sex therapist, he's like, oh, don't tell them that. And if I did, it was then tell them at least that you work with women who have cancer because then it's socially redeeming, you know, that there's something acceptable about that. But if I were to say that I work in the area of BDSM and kink, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, but, but if I did, I just feel like that would be a huge, a huge taboo thing. almost. Yeah. yeah. Taboo. Yeah. Exactly. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I, there's such a open culture now, I feel as far as people expressing themselves and who they are and who they like and who they don't like. And I mean, it's just, I feel like the world is kind of coming into this allowance that's kind of standard. I don't know if that makes sense for expressing those things. Yeah, I would agree. I think that there is a new normal that's emerging and that the children that are coming in are oftentimes leading the way. So they have different desires that we need to show them up as 
show up for them as different parents, as different people. We can't just wash over things and pretend that they don't exist because I think that they're often very suspect of hypocrisy and that we need to show up in so much more integrity. And not that that wasn't always the case, um, but it is more and more the case because these children that are coming in today are really expansive and they want to explore things and they're talking about things that would put us on the edge of our seat if we're not comfortable with ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's very true. And I'm going to go back. I say this in a couple different episodes, but um, I do feel like that our parents' generation, at least, has had a lot of stigma and a lot of don't talk about that and a lot of kind of hiding all of the things that you do behind closed doors and not, I, I mean, I don't know if you see that as a generational thing, but for me, my parents are baby boomers, you know, and that is, and there might be some people that have parents that are in my generation, which would be, what is it? Gen X. I'm like right on the cusp of Gen X and millennial. So I don't know exactly where I fit, but with that said, you know, there might be some Gen Xers and millennials listening that kind of can relate to that as well. So Yes, I am. So I'm certainly a Gen Xer and my daughter who's 27 is a millennial. And so she's really feeling into how different her relationship is with me because we can talk about things very openly. And then also she's very close with her grandparents. And so then feeling how there are certain things that are off limits, taboo, and there's a stigma against them. And so she gets that rub and it's great because then the conversations are able to flow because they need to flow. And it takes some strength and it takes some stamina um, that I, I just think needs to happen. It's like, we can't leave you know, elders in the dust because it is that you know, we feel like they can't understand or they don't have the capacity, which may be true, but the invitation always needs to be there that there is a possibility that they can change their worldview. And just briefly, my son, who's 24, he's a cattle rancher today, although he's worked in IT and got a, um, a degree in engineering, went to go live with his grandparents. And he happens to be in a brown body like me. He's Latino like me. And he has grandparents who are white who are in Western Maryland and it's a very rural community. And he notices the conversations around race because they're important to him because he's lived in that before. And he's been goodness discriminated against because the color of his skin and that's his lived experience. And when he speaks those things to his grandparents who are in white bodies, it is a conversation that blows their mind because when they see him, because he comes from them, they see white and they can't imagine that he's had those experiences. And yet when he articulates them and expresses them and says, this is really what happened to me when I was traveling, or this is what happened to me at the university. They're like, wow. And it opens their worldview, which was pretty closed and shut down before. So I yeah. love the engagement. That's, that's yeah. what we're here to do. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I'm in a similar situation because my husband is African and my, all my children are um, African American, like Cameroonian American. And um, we have that same experience with our family. But I think for me, the, the struggle that my husband and I see, I should say, is that if they're not open to accepting that experience and like saying, like, I have friends and, you know, family that instead of asking us or asking my husband or asking my kids how they feel, 
they'll reference someone that they know 20 years ago. I used to work with this woman and she said this, well, that's literally not it. You know, like he's literally sitting in front of you, telling you how he feels and telling you the experiences that he has. So, and I think that 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 can definitely apply to this conversation as well. I absolutely agree. Yes. Uh Yes. And, And that we all have those blinders where we're unable to accept the experience of the person that we know and love and is sitting there right in front of us. And oftentimes what I find is that it's just too painful. And then we can't engage in that conversation. And so for me, the reference point then comes back to where is that pain in your body? How does it shut down your heart? How does that then, oh goodness, disallow you or or prevent you from being in relationship with the person that you love in a meaningful way because we're denying part of their experience. And, and we do that as humans because we have oftentimes blinders up or we're not able to engage in things because it's just too painful. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And I think it's true in so many areas of life, unfortunately, but yeah, definitely. Yes. Yes. And that's why, I mean, really, that's why I do the work that I do because it is not, yeah. Sexuality. It's like, I feel like that's a titillation factor. That's what draws people in. And it's like, yes, I want more pleasure in my life. Yes. I want more orgasm. Yes. I want all of that. And it is so true that when we come back to the present moment and are able to claim our desire in this moment, that we can then speak our truth. My desire in this moment is just to be of service and to speak what is true for me in the work that I do and share that hopefully with others so they can have the invitation to do that for themselves. And it, and I'm, you know, I'm just a guide and I see that we're all experts in our own experience. And when we can identify where that lives in our body and is true for us, then we're able to express it. Oftentimes what I find is that there's blockages and, and race can do this. I mean, there's so many good books out there. Resma Menikin's book, Um, My grandmother's hands really talks about race and how trauma gets enlarged in the body. And that is true for so many experiences, whether it's sex, whether it is class. I mean, there's so many reasons why that happens. And then what happens is that there's the trauma then that sits in the body and causes a blockage. And oftentimes what I find is that we want to eradicate that because they're like, need to get rid of it. It doesn't feel good. And that is just another form of self-aggression. It's like, oh, okay, what needs to happen, I believe, and what I see is to be true, is there's information there that that trauma needs to give us, and that once we begin to accept it and have curiosity and begin to unpack it, then it can begin to resolve, and it can begin to dissolve the blockages that are in our body, so then we can experience more pleasure, experience more joy, experience more. And that's what what happens. That's kind of the baseline where I begin uh, because to try to eradicate everything in our life that we don't like, it's not going to work. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. I mean, (laughs) it's like living in a bubble, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, like you just push everything bad out and then live in this bubble and never have to experience anything bad ever again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 It doesn't work. It's not a reality. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I would love, I mean, if this is a good time, I would love to lead you through like one of the guided visualizations that I do with women, because I think this is, it's so potent. It's like when we have those experiences of the parts of ourselves that we don't like, or that are painful, or 
there's discomfort there, that what needs to happen, I believe, is that it needs to be loved, right? It needs to be blessed. It needs to be honored for the wisdom that it has for us and that we can all do this at any moment in time whenever we choose, whenever we feel that blockage, whenever we feel stuck, it's always there and available for us. And it's just the redirecting of our attention. But I'd like to lead you through that process, if I may. Yes, that would be great. Wonderful, wonderful. So if you're comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes and place your feet flat on your floor, bring your hands to your lap. I like to place my left hand on my heart and my right hand down on my lower belly, just two or three inches below my belly button, but whatever works best for you. And as you're relaxing and closing your eyes, bringing your attention inward into your body and taking a couple of deeper breaths than your normal breath and feeling the inhalation come into your body and the exhalation leaving your body And inhaling again. And exhaling. Yeah, one more time at your own pace with the inhalation. And the exhalation. And again, bringing your attention into your body. And just bringing your awareness to your pelvic bowl. This is really where I like to begin for women. And if that's a new term for you, and you can just imagine bringing your attention to the top of your pubis. Sometimes it's helpful to place your hand there to have the felt awareness of where that is in your body and just Bringing your hand around to the bony parts, to your hip, and then back to your sacrum, just feeling around your, your pelvic bowl, where your pelvic, your pelvis lives, where your legs hang and walk from, where you're seated from right now. And just allowing your imagination to come into that area as well. And from the pubis or the pubic mound, just imagining your attention to come into your pelvic bowl and walking that space. And maybe you're more familiar with this space having given birth, being a mom, having been pregnant, or if you haven't had those experiences, then just the felt sense of where it is that you imagine your uterus is or your uterine energy is if you don't have a uterus and feeling into the womb and just slowly walking and noticing the sensations that you experience there. And there's no good and no bad. There's just sensations. And as the sensations emerge, maybe there's tension, 
Maybe there's vastness. Maybe there's constriction. Maybe there's release. And just noticing with curiosity what lives there in your pelvic bowl. And as you've walked the course of your pelvic bowl, thanking your body for all that it does for you and thanking your pelvic bowl for any messages that you receive because it's all information. And when you're ready, coming back to this space and opening your eyes at your own time. And what did you notice, Amanda? I definitely, I always have um, kind of energy in my uterus, you know, like in that, what is it? The lower chakra. So I always have this like kind of sensation. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, a, I can just feel it, you know, like, a, mm -hmm. a, I don't know. That's where I store all of my energy, I think. So. I love it. Oh yeah. So it sounds like it's a powerful place for you to tap into when you want to create. Yes, very much so. That's yeah. good. That's potent. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I love that. I love it. And I hope that other women can benefit from it. So what is your suggestion around this meditation and um, practices? I love it. Yeah. So what I recommend and what I do is I regularly check in and I check into that place in my body that I know is true. And so just like you're able to identify that's a power center for me, that you check into that when you're about to create or when you're about to do something important. But for me, I just check into it all the time because what I find is that my mind has got all sorts of stories going on about how I should be and how I show up. And my body always, again, is always in the present moment and it doesn't have a story. It just has information for me. And then I put the story on top of the information or that's good or that's bad. And I don't need to do that because when I come in with curiosity and I just feel into it, I can feel like, oh, I feel the spaciousness there and that feels good. Or sometimes I feel like there's a little tightness there and oh, what is that about? And what what is that telling me? And so when I'm able to just have that type of relationship with my pelvic bowl, then I have a better felt sense of what it is that I need to do in the day. So I check in every morning because then I set kind of the tone for my day of these are the things that I really need to do, not the things that I think I need to do, but the things that are true for me in my body. And when I check in and know my body, then I can really bring them forth into fruition. I love it. And do you feel like that is, if we did that daily, is that a great way for us to be able to kind of during that meditation, have like thoughts come up, like creation thoughts or, you know, what our desires are or, or things like that. Beautiful. Yes. Uh -huh, yeah. Because I, I think that is our true North that we as women are magic. When we are mystery, we create life. And oftentimes I find that we forget that as women and that this is part of the remembrance when we tap into that womb power, then yes, and the thoughts of creation or the ideas of creation can then emerge from that. But it comes, oh goodness, it comes into that space of stillness of like what is alive there when we're able to bring our attention and our awareness there, then we can have a felt sense of what is true that is beyond the thoughts and beyond 
the shoulds that the mind often carries. Mm, that's great. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So is there anything else that you would like to share with us about how to tap into our desires, how to kind of figure out what they are and in one sense, figure out what our desires are for ourself versus our desires for our family and our relationship. And because I feel like as women and as mothers, kind of like what you were talking about with the nine-year-olds, we tend to put everybody else's desires and wrap them into ours and kind of like mush it all around. And it's really hard to separate, right? <laughs> true, true it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh -huh, yes. Uh, and that it is a process and that it's not one and done and that it's something that we may need to do on a regular ongoing basis and recognize how our desires are bound with others. And that's not always helpful, even though it is our intention to be helpful to our children, to our spouse, to our lovers, to our significant others. It's not always helpful when we're not clear about what is ours. And so to the best of our ability to really claim what is true for ourselves is so important. And once we're able to do that more consistently, then we're actually benefiting others and we're benefiting those whom we're in relationship with because then our children in particular know our truth and they can feel that and then they can begin to template that or experience us more as a role model. That is really critical. They don't need to get this because that's just kind of messy. Yeah. And so the biggest thing that I'd like to say to women is to be gentle with themselves. If they were teaching this as they teach so many things to their children and to the people that they're in relationship with, they would be very gentle and loving and say, don't worry, sweetie, you'll get this. And the expectation for ourselves is often not that. It's like, get it right. Why didn't I get this right? I should have done this. I should. And woo. Yeah. To really just be gentle with yourself and to know that you'll just come back and be like, okay, I'm going to begin this moment now for the rest of my life because I'm going to get this. And then to begin again. Now, this moment is for the rest of my life. And I'm just going to be gentle with myself because yeah. the more that I remind myself, that I know my truth because it lives in my body and it's not the storyline of how I show up in relationship. It is really the relationship that I have with myself that is primary, that is the one that I need to feed because when I don't feed it, I get depleted. Yeah. It's a true that's, thing. Yeah, that's so true. We are almost always depleted <laughs> as moms and it's yeah. it takes a lot of work to to not be that way and to kind of rebuild our energy and refocus and give ourselves time to even figure out what that means. So that's huge. That's huge. And the, the more that we're able to do that for ourselves, again, the better it is for our children, but particularly for our girls, because they will get in this cycle much more readily than the boys, as I told you from that story from my mentor. And it's just so true because we're so relational and we've been designed that way to be so relational as women, which is beautiful. And it is always the relationship that we have with ourselves that is primary 
that is the reflection that we have in our relationship with others. So if we don't have a good relationship with ourselves and it's not kind and loving, then we won't have that with others. So it really needs to begin with ourselves. Mm, I love that. It's a great example and a great point, really. (laughs) And so hopefully everyone listening, including myself, will take this, uh, this episode and this interview and soak in your wisdom and your expertise and kind of help us to hone into our desires. So I truly appreciate that. And I would love to know more about how people can work with you and what, you know, what kind of um, programs you offer. I know you have some retreats and some courses and some other things. So tell us all about those. Oh, thanks so much, Amanda. So the best way to get in contact with me is on my rediscoveringmybody.com website. And it is based on the book called Rediscovering My Body. And that the work that I do is individual. So I have three month coaching programs and I do VIP days. And then I also teach in groups because I think it's so powerful that when we work with other women, we learn not only from the facilitator, but we learn from each other. So I host classes and I host retreats because I want women to have that transformational experience in person. That's awesome. The retreats sound amazing because who doesn't want to get away and really just be able to kind of focus on yourself and focus on rediscovering and everything. So I love it. Uh Yes, I do too. I mean, that's my favorite part is to actually connect with people in retreat. And I do see that it is this catalyst then that brings people to the next level. And then we need the sustainability of how am I going to do this every day? And that's why I like the classes. And that's why I like the coaching programs, because then it helps build on that huge win and makes it integrated into your life. That's, that's the way it's worked for me. Certainly I've got coaches for everything and I've got teachers that I work with because I, I want to, I want to do things better. Yeah. I think that is, if anybody's listening to this podcast, they're definitely looking to do things better. So love it. This is uh, the right place to be talking about those things. So I love it too. So thank you so much, Tara. I am very honored that you were able to come and share with us today, everything that you've shared with us and your wisdom and your expertise. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, Mastering Google My Business to increase your revenue. You can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash learn GMB and you'll be able to network with other business owners and learn all about the latest and greatest updates to Google My Business. See you there.